This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. When I was introduced to Heather Wickman, our guest today, I was more than a little bit intrigued. I'm always interested when I see entrepreneurs who have completely different business models than anything I've seen or experienced before and how they're innovating. And Heather has completely done that in an extremely successful way. She has married psychedelics, horses, and leadership coaching and provides profound and lasting change and clarity with the clients that she helps. Mostly they are high level and high performing executives and entrepreneurs who are striving to get to that next level and can't quite figure out what's keeping them from getting there. On the show, we talked about her corporate career and why she chose to leave and how she became involved and really appreciated the sacredness of plant medicine, why she believes it's so powerful. We talk about some of the myths and misnomers of psychedelics in general. And she talks about some of the results that she gets with her clients. Truly an amazing conversation. Heather, we were just talking before that you just came back from a retreat and I want you to share that experience with us and what some of your takeaways were, and then we'll mm. go back into the the education and your business because you have the most, I think, interesting business that I have ever seen where you've combined psychedelics, leadership, and horses yeah. in one thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. It is an interesting compilation for sure. And happy to chat about it. But you did catch me at a very interesting point in time. So I love that we scheduled it this way. So I got back yesterday from a women's retreat. And I actually love women's retreats. I'm doing two women's retreats now and then one in January. And finally, it's just such an amazing way to reconnect and to start the year, kind of close the year and start the year up new. Anyways, this last retreat was with a dear, dear friend who's stepping in as a medicine keeper of psilocybin, so magic mushrooms. And this is a medicine that I have grown to be very appreciative of. And I can talk about that later, but you were more interested in kind of my takeaways. Yeah. And how do I even... So for potentially a handful of your listeners that have no exposure to psychedelics, this could sound absolutely crazy, but it was one of the most profound medicine journeys I've had in my life. And I've been engaging in medicine ceremonies since 2006 as an avenue for my own professional growth and evolution. But Madeline, who is the medicine keeper, I said to her right after the medicine, I said, oh my God, I got to find out who I was, like who I am. I said it in the wrong tense. And it was actually that experience where we coupled 
the medicine with holotropic breathwork. And yeah, the two coming together provided a profound opening and awakening in my system. So the breathwork really allows, I think, stuck energy to move out of your system. And then the mushrooms connect you to this really heart opening space of what I found in the experience of reconnecting to what I would say is my essence in a way that I hadn't been able to before, Mm -hmm. in a way that I was able to almost see the kind of my tribe and be initiated into that space to be able to understand how to hold my energy in my body as it relates to who I am. And I imagine this sounds really vague and probably a little hard to put together, but it was one of the most profound experiences I think I've ever had. So I'm I'm sitting here today feeling super grateful, a little bit in awe of what I experienced and super curious about how it's going to unfold in the next, you know, a couple of days, weeks and months. Do you find through this experience, maybe past experiences, almost a new level of clarity or acceptance? A hundred percent. Because that's what it sounds like to me. Um, yeah. I've not done this type of journey before, but it is on my list. Uh, <laughs> and I know my son has had several experiences and he he really attributes his current success and the journey that he's been on the last 18 months to doing some of these types of journeying and experiences. Also, 100%. It's just like you get to a deeper level of yourself than you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in the executive coaching work that I do, the thing that I find most with entrepreneurs and executives is that we are drivers, we are achievers, we are, you know, those type A kind of folks who pardon the language, but just get shit done. Like this is what we know how to do. And oftentimes in that drive, we override kind of the whispers that say, is this really what you want to do? Like, is this really your calling, your passion, your, your heart's desire? And I find the medicine helps us kind of take a step back and Mm -hmm. do that uncovering process of who am I and what am I here in the world to do? And so similar to your son, it's been profound for me in terms of being able to recalibrate my trajectory in my career. Like you said, it's bizarre. I do coaching and horses and psychedelics, yeah. but it's the thing that makes me feel most alive today. And I don't know if I would have ever found it had I not engaged in this path. Yeah, absolutely. My take on that too is a lot of executives, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I know I've experienced this where you're great at the doing mm-hmm. and the creating and the the making and the selling of whatever the thing is. And there's, I'm going to say there's almost like an adrenaline rush in doing some of that, mm-hmm. but the being, like just being in the stillness and allowing everything to come in is a lot harder to do. Yeah, yeah, because it's we're programmed and that's how we've gotten to be successful, I think, because we can do that better than some, right? And it's that being that actually, I think, fuels our soul in a way that the doing, 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 you know, can kind of mm-hmm. end up at some point in exhaustion, right? You need yeah. to burn out, whatever it might be. And so being able to kind of sit with the being of who am I? What am I here to do? And I think there's a radical acceptance of who you are in those spaces. And so self-love is an element of the work that we do because, man, I think it's a gap, especially in the audience that I work with. And we place achievement to our worth and our value and then kind of 
unwinding that to find out like, how do I actually just sit in the love of myself that I am enough, that I am worthy, that I'm valuable just in who I am versus the business that I build or the team that I run or the organization that I lead. Mm-hmm. And that's, like you said, that being work is really important. Yeah. And I've been sitting with this particularly for the last couple of weeks because I've just came off a period of a lot of doing. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I just did a lot. <laughs> I'm tired. My brain feels a little like all done now. Yeah. And I'm looking at what will I do and how will I be to replenish the energy particularly right now like we're recording this at the end of 2022 and for me this is my hibernation period where I really other than doing some social parties I really don't want to go out and right. engage in yeah. anything <laughs> so and it's like clockwork because it usually hits about like right before Thanksgiving and then by January 15th I'm like all right let's go talk to some people yeah I <laughs> resonate like my kind of my detailed planning for next year, et cetera. And what I've been thinking about as I kind of was like mental was, wow, like that was a lot of what space can I create of like emptiness to allow the next couple of things come in. And so that I can be in action again and that flow so that it's not necessarily even, but you're filling yourself up at the same time. Or not at the same time, but at different times when, when you're putting things out and creating things too. Yeah. And I love that you have that practice, that you know that this is the season of your hibernation, right? The season yeah. that you need to kind of go within and recollect and get your energy back and some self-care so that you can come back out, you yeah. know, early in the next year with a refreshed focus. I love that. Not many have that practice. Thank you. Well, after you know falling on my face multiple years in a row, I finally was like, oh, don't do that. Yeah, I got to do something different. <laughs> yeah. And that's been my practice now for several years. So it's, yeah. I love it. And nobody, nobody's like missing anything either. So it's yeah. all good. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into psychedelics a little bit, and then we can wrap into your business Because there's been a lot more, I'm going to say, hype and attention paid to psychedelics in different forms. Can you just share with everybody what they are, how they're helping, why people are coming back to this now, and clear up any myths that are out there? Yeah, yeah. So just to ensure I don't take up an hour of your time just on this topic in, I have a book called the evolved executive. I'm sure we can link to it. There's a chapter in it that has all of this as well. So it'll tell you all the details of psychedelics, the history of it, and kind of how we're using it today in the context that I use it in terms of kind of the intersection of kind of personal transformation, leadership development, and organizational growth. So I would say I am the perfect skeptic. So I grew up in a mindset of, you know, drugs are bad. You know, I had some early teachers in my life where I was able to learn that lesson really clearly. And so didn't play with what we call drugs at all in my life until, and I don't actually think of them as drugs. (laughs) I do think of them in a much different way, but I was working with an executive coach and she was like, oh my gosh, you're my ayahuasca girl. I had no idea what ayahuasca was at the time. And so I had to do a bunch of Google research to find out what psychedelics really are and how they help people. So from a scientific perspective, I would say that broadly, psychedelics do an incredible thing 
for us to be able to tap into a deeper level of knowing or knowledge that resides within us. And we have this default mode network in our mind. It's kind of the monkey mind, the chatter that happens, you know, that's constantly going in our minds. Well, psychedelics oftentimes slow that down and quiet that down in a really significant way so that you can tap into kind of your intuition, your deeper knowing, as well as kind of all of the energy around you, the energy of the earth, the energy of the elements, all of these things. And so from just that scientific perspective, it's a way for us to access different levels of knowing. And we're finding in in the research that is being done that it's being used in so many different contexts. Mm -hmm. So psilocybin, for example, is proving to be an incredible treatment for like treat resistant depression. So treatment resistant depression and all those kind of things. There's different medicines for opioid addictions, depression, anxiety, all of this kind of stuff, which I am so grateful for. And on the flip side, we're also seeing psychedelics are used for this generative aspect. So like you said, inspired clarity that we can't find in kind of everyday day-to-day living and even through kind of meditation, greater levels of focus, brand new ideas, reconnection to purpose, all of these things that folks tend to come to me for in terms of coaching, like they're in big career transitions, they're questioning like their purpose and have done things in the past. They've done self-help, maybe they've done other coaching. They're like, I need something different. And so psychedelics do provide a different option, and I call them peak experiences. So it's an experience that you can't really get in your day-to-day environment, in your day-to-day life, but will absolutely provide you something that, in my experience, serves you to evolve to the next level. And so let me just pause there to see what questions that might have come up for you. I don't have any right this second, other than it sounds like you can use different different psychedelics to achieve different effects, just to kind of clarify that. Um, yeah. I think there are folks who tend to move into different directions for different things. In my experience, and again, there's a bunch of resources that I can share with folks, but ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine native to the Amazon rainforest, is one of the most powerful. I mean, there are a few others that are more powerful, but that is one that really kind of will shake you to find a new perspective, a new paradigm. I always say it's kind of like there are some medicines that'll take your hand and kind of walk with you. And ayahuasca is one of those that like takes you by the neck and says, all right, we're going on a journey. Like not in a scary way, but it's much (laughs) more forceful. Yeah. Like it's a strict grandmother that's like, buckle up. We're going to take care of this issue where like mushroom psilocybin is a much gentler approach. Again, they take your hand, but it's a, it's a much heart, it's a heart opening experience where, man, you experience yourself, you experience love in a whole different way. And in that space, I tend to work a little bit better. And then there's, you know, Wachuma, which is a San Pedro is a cactus that has kind of a beautiful blend between the two. And so oftentimes with our clients, we try to understand really what is it that they're wanting to accomplish? What's their one big thing that they want to achieve or move through? And then that helps us decipher, discern what medicine maybe to practice with. Cool. And also, I mean, like the history of these different medicines, humans have been using them for thousands of years. Thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And these are not new practices, which is kind of the 
the interesting thing in the 60s, they got a really bad rap in terms of the war on drugs. And But before that, I think they've been used as a sacred medicine for people to connect with the land, with the animals, with their guides as a way to guide their lives and as a way to guide their communities. And so it's kind of fun to be kind of on the other side of this now. So the 60s and 70s kind of shut it all down. And now there's this resurgence, this renaissance of, you know, how do we actually tap into this this sacred knowledge that's been used for eons in a way that's still connected to, I think, rooted in those grounded sacred practices versus it being kind of like party scene or some of those things. Right, right. And when you are working with your clients, like you take them on and assist them through their journey and their experience. So this is not like do this at home type of thing. (laughs) No, it is not. That's a really good question. There are some people who try to do that, but we really advise against that from a perspective of the set and the setting is really important to make sure that you have a good experience. And the set is the environment that you're in and the setting is, you know, your mind. I flipped that around. But so we partner with what we call shamans. And so I am not the one administering medicine, but I am the one sitting with you as you go through the experience, potentially one-on-one or at a retreat. And so we ensure that you're in a very safe place and that you are prepared in the way that you need to prepare to kind of go into those experiences and by no means doing them by yourself. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's circle into your business. Yes. Where should I begin? The beginning. <laughs> the beginning. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. So it's a wild ride. So I grew up thinking that I was going to be, you know, a corporate climber, you know, this idea that I was going to end up in the C-suite and that was going to be my idea of success. And so I set off on a path to do that, both from an educational perspective and then just kind of worked and worked and worked and kind of did the promotions and continued and continued until, you know, that didn't work anymore. And so back in 2014, I was offered what I thought was going to be, you know, kind of the ideal job, the job that I've been striving for in my career. And long story short, there was this deep sinking guttural feeling in my being that was like, you cannot do this. When everyone around me was so excited, my mind was like, oh my God, yes, you have to do this. But that voice, that whisper that we've been talking about just said, you cannot do this. And somehow I found the courage. I'm not even sure how in that moment to trust my intuition, trust my gut and ended up resigning from my corporate role. My husband, it was kind of a domino effect. He then resigned from his corporate role. We ended up selling everything. We lived in Denver at the time and taking three months and we lived abroad. We went to Thailand and went all over to really figure out who we are. And that is where Untethered was founded in in that space of being and reconnecting to who we are. And that's also the time in which we found plant medicine as a way to help us kind of continue upgrade and evolve in our development. And Mm so Untethered has had a bit of a varied journey, started out doing consulting and executive coaching and has kind of evolved to where we are today, where you know, we help high achieving entrepreneurs and executives really work through some of the most stubborn and pervasive roadblocks that are getting in the way of the life that they most desire. And having been an executive coach for 15 years, I knew that we needed something more than just the traditional kind of one to one talk coach scenario. Mm-hmm. And 
through my own practices of working with the plants and the horses, I was like, this is what we need to provide for our clients. And so today, that is what we do. Three and six month engagements with our clients where we're working with a sacred plant medicine to create a peak experience. And then we come back to our ranch here in Colorado and we work with the horses for integration. And what I mean by integration is that oftentimes with the peak experience with the plants, you get some really massive awakenings at times that can leave you a little bit like, oh my goodness, how am I going to put these pieces together? So if you can imagine people are coming to us with questions of, I need to make a big career transition. Maybe it's a CEO that no longer wants to be a CEO of this company, right? And they go through a medicine journey and they see, oh my God, like, and feel this is actually what I'm supposed to be doing over here. And this is where I'm most passionate. I always knew it, but I was too afraid to make that jump. And now I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that integration process is kind of making those changes real into your life. And so we work with the horses to help from a an emotional perspective, a grounding perspective. And then we do some coaching to help them feel confident that they can make those changes and really make those changes in a way that stick in their lives going forward. Okay. So how do the horses help? Yeah. Have you worked with horses before? I haven't. I'm drawn to them in general, but Mm -hmm. I'm also an animal lover in general. And I've had, I've met a few people over the course of the years who do horse therapy for yeah. Generally people who have some sort of disability. Yeah. So I'm really curious how you're integrating that with executives and then help to yeah. like solidify this newfound awakening. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting way to put things together. But again, they've been there for me as I've worked through these processes and now I've been able to kind of see how they can work for our clients. So there's two elements, kind of the scientific element of what horses are able to do. And one of the biggest ones is real-time biofeedback. And so as you're making change in your life, you're oftentimes butting up against kind of old patterns, old beliefs, old assumptions that kind of keep you in the old, in the current status quo, even though you're trying to make a change. Horses, because they're prey animals, have this hypervigilance, hypersensitive way about them in that they're sensing everyone around them in terms of where's their energy, where they're intense, and we are perceived as predators in their eyes. Okay. So when you're when you're working with a horse, they're providing constant biofeedback in terms of where you are from a beliefs perspective, an emotions perspective. So you might be, I'm so excited, I'm going to take this path forward when actually you are scared to death inside. And the horse is going to reveal to you your fear versus your excitement. And so in that space, we can then work through the fear versus just pretending that doesn't exist. And oftentimes those little switches are the things that are going to hold you back or the things that are going to allow you to go three months down the road, but then revert back because the fear kind of overwhelms you. Mm -hmm. So there's this ongoing biofeedback mechanism that helps people understand where they really are, where their blind spots are, and how to move forward. And then there's another element that I I think is really important from a coherence perspective. Mm -hmm. So horses naturally are very coherent beings in terms of their minds and their bodies being really well connected. Humans, on the other hand, we wear a lot of masks that say, you know, we wear masks so that we're not seen. So, you know, that we're not seen as imposters so that our weaknesses aren't seen, all these kind of things. You know, again, horses can see through that really quickly. You may be able to lie to me, but you can't lie to a horse. And so 
they help us remove those masks to come back to who are we really authentically. Because if we're working with a challenge or an issue or even a vision with a horse and we get into a place where we're where we have that mask on, where we're telling ourselves maybe some false elements, a horse is going to escape. They're going to move away from us. And so then we can kind of understand like, okay, we need to unpack this a little bit more because there's something more under the surface. And once that individual gets back into coherence where they're in alignment with what they believe and what they're saying, the horse will re-engage with us. So they're just great authenticity detectors. On a more spiritual level, they help us speak the language of the heart. And so when you're standing with a 1,500-pound animal that's at liberty, meaning no halter, no lead rose, something happens in terms of you get very grounded, you get very present. And when you're connected with a horse, you immediately somehow drop into your heart and can kind of feel into the energy of your heart. And I say oftentimes they're messengers and illuminators of the things that our hearts desire most. And so being in those environments with horses, especially after a peak experience, we can really tap into what is my heart's desire. I mean, we've got such a short time here on earth. And I think the things that we do every day really, really matter. And so being able to really connect with that heart space and continue to live there is a great gift that horses provide. And they're also incredible adversaries, I would say. And that Horses will naturally, if you've ever ridden horses or anyone that's listening, you know that they will poke you. They will poke your edges and they will push your boundaries in ways that if you're open to it, really allow you to see your blind spots and your growth edges. So I'll stop there. But horses do have this incredible way about them in terms of if you're open to working with them as peers, as a teacher, they have a lot to give us. Yeah, my interaction with horses have been fairly limited. I find them very calming. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and still, I'm going to say in awe because they're so big and I'm yeah. tiny. So, like that contrast is really cool. And they have poked at me a couple of times when I've been riding. It's like, oh, you think you want to go that way? Let me tell you. Yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, they're incredible but, partners. Yeah. I think they have so much to give for those of us who want to take the time to kind of open the awareness and have that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a little bit different because I think we're used to this idea of we control horses and, you know, we ride horses and we tell them what to do, whether it's jumping, dressage, all these kind of things. And this is, like you said, a much different way of interacting with a horse in terms of dropping into their energy and being open to what they might have to teach us. Yeah. And even, and I've done trail rides. So Mm -hmm. anybody who is an expert rider, you may completely disagree, but my feeling intuitively is that they're partnering with us, even when we're riding, like there's a hundred percent really excelled. There's that human horse connection that you become one. And my very limited trail ride experience, at least has been super cool. Yeah. It's incredible. Once I'm a little more settled here in Charlotte, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to play with some more horses in the area. Yeah. And Uh, you're welcome to come to Colorado anytime you'd like. I would love that. I would love that. (laughs) So you quit your job. (laughs) You have this experience. You travel for three months. You come back. And was there ever any question that you should get another corporate job? or? Yes. And so I think the universe continually tests us. 
like when we jump out onto a path that we're like, you know, I'm going to trust and I'm going to, I'm going to see where this leads and I'm going to continue to follow my heart. I think this is my perspective, but I think the universe tests us to see like, are you really committed to that? Because there have been several opportunities where I've, I've been, you know, offered a different corporate job here and there. And it's been at different times, a really dicey conversation because at the end of the day, when you think about it, the perceived security and safety of the constant paycheck of the nine to five, the predictability right. of the routine, there is something about that that feels safe, that feels comforting, that feels like, okay, I can do that. But at the end of the day, I'm working for someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. And it's never been my dream. Some people are able to find their dream through those jobs. And I honor that. But yes, so I've been in those tests and at various times they've been more difficult than others. What I can say today is, you know, and again, I'm fresh off an experience that affirms my, where I'm at, but I don't think you could pay me enough to go back. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's just, we've made some tough choices, but we are in a life now, my husband and I, where we have a lot of freedom, where we're able to do the things that we most love, where we're able to work with the people who are naturally drawn to us and to do this work. So there's no like, you know, struggle to find, you know, where you're bumping up against the bureaucracy, the red tape and the corporate, all these kind of things. And so it's a really good question. And that's where I'm at today. And hopefully I continue to <laughs> ride that path, but you never know what emerges. Yeah. And when you when you started your business, Like, was it fully formed with the coaching, the psychedelics and the horses or were certain aspects added in? Like, how did that evolve? And that this unusual mix was going to work. Yeah, we're in the heart of that conversation right now. So the first five years of Untethered, so we've been seven years now, we're traditional coaching and consulting. So and that's what I'm, you know, 100 percent trained in. And even though we've been working this path ourselves for many years, but it's not been until the last two, two and a half years that we've brought this work to our clients. And to be really honest, it's really in the last year where I've spoken to others more publicly about it because Mm -hmm. we talked about it before we jumped on here. There, There are some people that are like, this isn't cool. Like this work is not good work to be doing. And I was quite fearful and cautious about what would happen to my reputation, to my practice when word got out that Heather is now, you know, doing executive coaching, but she's also working with plant medicine and horses. And so it took me some time and some real soul searching to be able to say, can I jump out into this space publicly, you know, podcast, social media, those kind of things and write about it and speak about it without feeling, I guess, petrified of the judgment of others. Right, right. And so that is, like I said, probably in the last year and a half, we've really brought it to light for everyone to see versus just kind of word of mouth recommendations and referrals. And I got to tell you, it's still a little bit challenging. You know, we'll run across people that have a, a much different perspective of the work we're doing and don't have the belief in it that we have. And I honor that from other people's experiences and perspectives, but this is where I'm at. And so that's been quite a journey in itself. Yeah. And are you finding more, I'm going to say comfort or acceptance in everything that you're offering 
as you're letting more people know, like, are you finding the support? I'm sure, you know, you said you have, there's some naysayers and I mean, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's you know, for everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's not for everyone. Absolutely. And we're, we're really clear about that from the get go, but yeah, you know, it's really interesting in that I get <laughs> the confirmation comfort from the places that I least expect it. A dear colleague who I would have never thought yeah, from my experience in healthcare has been one of my greatest supporters. And so you get it in the places like, oh my gosh, I would have never expected you to be open to that or to be interested in that. And then to connect me with so many people that have interest because it's still underground, right? It's very much still underground. Just here in November, Colorado passed Proposition 122, which decriminalizes psilocybin, DMT, ayahuasca, and those types of things. And so it is becoming more and more accepted and talked about, and I wouldn't say mainstream, but it's becoming more above ground. But people are still very hesitant to talk about it in kind of open forums. And so I get those affirmations kind of through different messages and kind of more private settings, but that's absolutely okay by me. Mm -hmm. And for the clients that you're working with, and you're taking them through this process, when they're kind of coming out on the other side, because I'm sure that there's other evolutions and places for them to grow into even beyond what they're doing here. What are some of the results that they start to experience? Yeah, the results are a little bit hard to describe, but let me give it a shot. So yeah, for example, I mentioned it earlier, you know, a client that founded an organization and kind of lost passion. She grew out of it, right? And so went through the process and on the other side found the path that she really wanted to take. And so she is now a year and a half down that path of working this in 180 degree different career while she's still on the board of her company. So being able to recalibrate her life's priorities and go down a different path while still kind of holding the space for the organization that she birthed. Other things are maybe a little bit more subtle in terms of being able to quiet the mind, being able to connect with the heart, being able to connect with a, a purpose that feels like it comes from a core desire versus comes from a need for more money or more material things. Oftentimes, people are similar to my experience in that you have an awakening that kind of sets you out on a different path. And then you continue to work with the medicine or the horses or your own practices. And the path just continues to present itself in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so there is this kind of surrendering to life as it unfolds. And so a greater level of comfort with the uncertainty and the ambiguity that goes along with not having to control or not having to know what the path looks like, I think would be a, a few of the examples I would share. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, they're not as like quantifiable as like, you know, I increased revenue by X percent, yeah. <laughs> but having a quiet head is huge. Oh yeah. And, and being in a place of acceptance so that you are just allowing the next thing to come in. And, mm-hmm. and even if it seems really strange, you're comfortable and yeah. sure in taking that ball and running with it. Right. Like that's powerful. It is powerful. I think the intuition element is probably one that almost everyone speaks to. Like they have greater access to their own intuition, their own knowing of like, is this really the path that I want to go down or is this the path? Because you've met, I'm sure, clients that are like, you know, waffling back and forth and write the pros and cons and pros and cons and can never come to a decision. 
it can be paralyzing. And somehow on this path, on these journeys, you do find a way to connect to your inner knowing in a way that lasts, that you can continue to lean upon it to help you make those decisions in times of, you know, big transition. Mm-hmm. As more leaders have these experiences, whether with you or with somebody else, mm-hmm. how do you see that changing the face of business? Ah, that's like the best question ever. And it's probably the one that I'm most curious about. So I'm a social science researcher by training. I've got a, you know, crazy PhD. And this is the research that I want to continue to do, you know, as leaders and entrepreneurs to do the work and understand that they are the greatest catalyst for change in their organization. What happens to those organizations? My hope, my hope and my hypothesis is that as we go through these experiences, you can't help but connect to this idea of we are all connected mm-hmm. and in ways that we can't describe, but you can feel. And when you have that feeling, you can't like unknow it. It's kind of a strange way to say it, but you can't go back to normal in terms of, you know, I'm just going to lay off 30% of my workforce and hope for the best, you know, because we are all connected in some way, shape or form. And so I am really curious to see how this shapes and reshapes how we make business decisions, how we structure, you know, tough times. Like how do we move through tough times together? Is it layoffs? Is it those kind of things? Or do we find creative ways for us to kind of design things differently? And there is this hope in that we can make the transition from kind of a fear-based model of running organizations to one that my language is more based on love. Mm-hmm. And so how do we move away from command and control and coercion and manipulation in order to get things done to a way of being that's more about cooperation, participation, co-creation? And we see a lot of that happening already in organizations. And there's some case studies in the book if people want to take a look. But those are the things that I I hypothesize will continue to shift as more and more leaders get experiences of of this oneness, get experiences of what does it mean to be sitting in the seat of self-love for myself, which means that I can express love greater to others as well. So I don't know, but that is my hypothesis and that's my hope and that's what I will continue to track. Well, I agree with your hypothesis. Uh, <laughs> I'm bought in. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like one of the great things of about doing this podcast is I get to talk to a lot of different women leaders who are doing and building businesses all over the world and in all different industries. And to see each woman's take on how to create a better, Mm. more collaborative, kinder, gentler organization and what she's doing differently is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's my hope is that we're exactly what you said, moving out of the fear-based and allowing something that's more fulfilling and more open to take that and more positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And I do think it is more of a feminine approach. And I don't necessarily mean woman only because males hold feminine energy as well, but there is something to kind of this, this movement into more of the feminine in business that I think is really important for us to pay attention to and to support. Yeah. yeah, 90% of my clients are women. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Well, and I I feel like for the last 2,000 plus years, we've been woefully out of whack in a very 
overly male energy, fear-based yeah. cultures, mm-hmm. you know, all the cultures and being driven by that. So we're now seeing things swing into a different direction and where absolutely pendulum land is, I think is yet to be seen, but it feels yeah. When feel when everything feels very divisive at times, that's what brings me back into center is that things are changing and shifting yeah. um, and women are stepping up and that's really cool. Yeah. So y- you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. our time to step up, right? Yeah. Moving mm. from corporate into this incredible business, what's been one of the biggest changes you've had to grow into or shift as far as your leadership? Mm. You know, the thing that feels most true is it falls in this purpose and vision space. And so when I was in my corporate career, you know, vision and purpose was oftentimes handed to me Mm -hmm. and were asked as employees to find ways to connect to the organization's purpose. And many times we can do that. And sometimes it's a stretch, but there is some comfort in that in terms of being able to it's given to you. And so you follow that path. And so jumping out on my own, for me personally, and this isn't going to be for everyone, but my biggest challenge has been how do I cultivate and articulate a clearly defined vision and purpose for this organization for Untethered? Mm -hmm. And then to continue to stay with a discipline of strategic focus to continue to move in that direction, because I've got a, a tiny organization, right? And it's up to me to be able to continue to make the organization move in, in a forward direction versus having, you know, the big corporate team to be able to do marketing over here and accounting over here. Like everything revolves into you got to wear a lot of hats and how do you kind of continue to move this organization in the path that feels most called. And so that's been, it's been a shift of, of personal responsibility of the responsibility is now on me to be able to breathe life into this purpose, into this vision, and be able to make the right actions to allow that to come to fruition. And so that's been a big shift. I think I relied on others to, you know, quote unquote, motivate me in the past mm-hmm. and have now had to step into what's the thing that inspires me and to continue to follow my inspiration. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about strategic discipline Ugh. because when you're <laughs> creating stuff, it's easy to create more stuff. Yeah. And then you're way off the plan. You are. I know. Um, and you try, you know, a hundred different things to see what yeah. sticks. And then at the end of the day, you're like, no, 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 no. Like I really need to stay focused here and the things that I feel most drawn to that I feel most connected to. And that has been a challenging journey for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's one that many, many of us face. Uh, I for know sure. I've talked to my, several of my clients off the creative ledge. Yeah. Like, I want to do this one more thing. I'm like, mm, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's write it back in. We can do that another time. It's a great idea. Exactly. And I love what you said about really staying true to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And that to drive you because that's that will for me at least, help anybody move through challenges. Yeah. Like if it's just easier to kind of put things, well, I just lost my train of thought. It's easier yeah. when you're really connected to your purpose to move through those challenges and right. just stay focused on that one thing instead right. of letting all the other stuff distract you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As an example of that, when I first started on Tethered, I think I had, I don't know, nine different lines of work. 
you know, from leadership to cultural initiatives to 360s to talent reviews to all these things. And I was just like <laughs> having to rein it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Simplifying is good. <laughs> it is. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Heather, where can everybody get the Evolved Executive? Absolutely. So you can find it on Amazon as well as I'm sure many other bookstores as well. And there's an audio, there's a hard copy, there's a paperback. And so there's many different versions. And it's a book that I absolutely love. And so I do check it out. I'd be curious to hear what folks think. Awesome. And where can everybody connect with you? You can find me online at beuntethered.co. I'm also on LinkedIn other under Heather Hansen Wickman, as well as Instagram at Heather Wickman PhD. Cool. I don't think I connected with you on Instagram. Well, we'll have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much. This has been so informative, but you just have an amazing energy. Uh, so <laughs> thank I'm you. really just basking in that while we're talking. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you.